When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Um, truth? Sometimes it yes. bothers yes. yes. I mean, we won 10 games this year. I've won 60% of my games in six years. Third winningest coach in Vikings history. And I have to listen to this crap. First of all, like I said a couple weeks ago when we were talking about this, I love these players, this organization. Uh, you know, the owners have been outstanding to me. So uh, I believe that there will be conversations here in, in the near future, and uh, whatever happens, I'm happy with it. That was Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer. Welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin in on a Friday. Hello, Courtney. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am all right. And, you know, it's freezing outside, but we've got a coach firing in town. So as... You know that brings out the best in everybody <laughs> yes, on it Sports does. Talk Radio whenever there's a coach firing. There's a sign in the corner that says, days since a coach firing, and I got to change it to zero today since yeah. Bruce Boudreaux got let go, which immediately got me thinking about Mike Zimmer and his future and how leading up to the game in New Orleans... Everybody, including yourself and myself, had a different take on what the Vikings would do if they lost. Of course, they went to New Orleans. They did not lose. They won in very exciting fashion. And that seemed to lock a lot of things into place. That one win, that one throw from Kirk Cousins to Adam Thielen and then you know finishing it off with a touchdown to Kyle Rudolph. It seemed to wash away for a week any conversation about Spielman's future, any conversation about Zimmer's future, and even left you with the feeling that they would be re-signing Kirk Cousins to a long-term contract. We've talked a lot, and Myron and I are going to get more into it later, about Cousins' future and whether they should sign him to a deal. We have not really talked since the end of the season about where Mike Zimmer stands. They hire Gary Kubiak. They hire Dom Capers. That tells us that they're not making any coaching changes that surprise us in February. Um, but with Zimmer and his long-term future juxtapos- juxtaposed with the fact that they're in such trouble with the salary cap and we don't know what they're doing at quarterback and we don't know necessarily what is going to happen with Delvin Cook, I would really love to know what Mike Zimmer thinks the right direction is for this team to actually get over the hump and get to a Super Bowl when they've had their shot and they came ever so close in 2017, but do not feel like a Super Bowl contender at this moment. 
Did you know he's the third winningest coach in Vikings history? I just want to, I don't know if you've heard <laughs> that anywhere that out, before, yeah. but um, that's the case. And ownership, we talked about this off air a few minutes ago. We thought about back to the New Orleans week, how different things could have been had they lost. Two days before that game, on that Friday afternoon, I'm in the air flying to New Orleans. It's 3 p.m. And we get that statement from PR backing Mike Zimmer, saying that they have every intent to keep him here for a while. Same thing with Rick Spielman. Their contracts have been synced up for quite a while now. I mean, last year it took until about March when Spielman also got an extension, but a month before that we find out at the Combine that Zimmer got an extension or his team option picked up. Um, So those two have been kind of on the same wavelength throughout most of their time together since 2014. Um, From what I understand an extension for Mike Zimmer is something that we should probably expect to happen mm-hmm. yeah. um, and very soon. Uh, I, they, they dropped that news on us at the Combine last year. I would not be surprised if it comes out within the next few days, next week or so, or even again when we do meet with both of them uh, at the Combine because he did what they were, the, everything lined up. He accomplished everything that they had lined up to do, which was get in the playoffs, have your quarterback lead this team to a win, Checking the boxes. Now, do you agree that it's maybe, you know, depending upon what the contract extension is, is it two years? Is it three years? Is it four? Four would be a little much. Won't that tell us how they feel? Yes, but if it's, and that's the thing, like I'm here, the numbers that I've been hearing for it have been upwards of, you know, potentially going into a two, three, four year extension, wow. which. Okay, that would, surprises me. Yeah, it does. And um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, this is all still very new at the moment, and we haven't heard anything official yet. And this, these are all just things I've been hearing going on behind the scenes. But what I think is very clear here is that ownership is in Mike Zimmer's corner and has been in Mike Zimmer's corner for quite some time. Uh, is that the same case with Rick Spielman? I'm not so sure because we're, there's just not that much buzz about it right now. And there wasn't at this time last year either. But what would that say if Zimmer gets a contract extension and Spielman has to go into the final year of his contract and not and just kind of play it out? Like, I mean, that to me shows you that maybe ownership is just kind of being like, hey, front office, figure it out. I don't think if you're going to do this the right way, Spielman, Zimmer, Cousins, Cook, let them play this year out. Let them show you that this is actually sustainable. It's more than just one playoff win that you're looking at here. Um, But I don't think that would happen. So if they see it differently between Mike Zimmer as the head coach and the front office and what they've done, Mm -hmm. how responsible do we hold Zimmer for what happens with this roster going forward? They're going with the same coaching staff, essentially. Now, they've made changes to people's positions, and Dom Capers is here, and there's a new defensive back coach, but it's still going to be Zimmer guys as the defensive coordinators, his son Adam Zimmer and Andre Patterson, and on the offensive side, sticking with the Gary Kubiak offense. So it's status quo from this year to next year with that. We know who the quarterback is going to be, at least I think so, in 2020. It would really be shocking to see a trade of Kirk Cousins. So let's just assume he's going to be here in 2020. And they're essentially going to run it back from that perspective. Same quarterback, very similar coaching staff, same philosophy of Mike Zimmer. I would not be surprised if the offseason has a lot fewer surprises than we would like there to be. Mm -hmm. And big bangs that all the fans are looking for, free agent signings and, and players moving on and things like that. We'll probably get a lot of the same guys, a lot of restructuring. and. 
Zimmer has always been, at least his vision, in control of how the roster is built. And this front office has done a really excellent job of building a contending team talent-wise year in and year out. Even with struggles at the quarterback position, they still found Sam Bradford to play well, Case Keenum to play well, and Kirk Cousins to be maybe what they thought he would be or what they should have thought he would be. Mm -hmm. They maybe imagined something a little better, but he is what he's always been here in Minnesota. So do we hold Zimmer responsible for the results in 2020 and beyond with the roster and which parts are strongest, which are weakest, which are problematic, and ultimately how the quarterback performs as well with those pieces, or do we separate those things? Because I've always said that they're the same thing, that it's Zimmer's vision built by the front office. So one was the uh, architect who drew it up, and the other were the the people, the construction workers sure. who you know put it together and make it happen. Uh, I don't know. Do you look at that differently? Well, I think it truly depends who's making roster decisions. And, and by and large, it's been Spielman at the end of the day. I mean, he's the one who is pulling the strings there. It's his front office. It's his draft strategy. And, you know, for the most part, he and Zimmer have been aligned. Um, don't let anybody fool you. Everybody, the six people that were in that room the Saturday before the combine in 2018, they all decided on Kirk Cousins. They all decided we're going to move on from Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, Sam Bradford. It was six people. Mike Zimmer, Kevin Stefanski, John Filippo, Rob Brzezinski, Rick Spielman, George Payton. Six people. So I know that there's always blame to be passed off. And, oh, well, Rick went and got him. Well, no, Mike Zimmer also agreed to it. They were all on the same page there. Now, are they all on the same page about wanting to extend him? I think that that's where that argument comes into play. Like, if Mike Zimmer, let's throw out a, let's throw out a scenario here where he's like, you can go ahead and trade Stephon Diggs, get me up to number two so I can go get Tua. Go throw mm. something else in there. And the front office is like, well, no, we're worried about cap space. We're trying to fix this right now. An extension lowers his number for 2020. We're able to give him a signing bonus, et cetera, et cetera, to help in the short term and it doesn't pan out that way, then that's on the front office. If Mike Zimmer, in this scenario, is pushing for them to try and go get a new quarterback, at least in in the sense of down the road, beyond 2020 and 2021. Um, but I do think that it's all going to depend on who's making those calls going forward, because they really have been in lockstep for a lot of it. And the conversation, what they're saying, what they've said before, has always mirrored that. But... I don't know. I just I don't anticipate that changing that much. I feel like there's got to be, you know, if there's such a divide, like let's say there was this divide where we're looking at the quarterback scenario that you and I have talked about of how you would potentially build yourself into a position to move on from Kirk Cousins, then if Zimmer's leading the charge on that, that's all on him. Well, and that's what I'm curious about here is if there is a difference in feeling from ownership about Zimmer versus the front office. If the ownership uh, has decided that Zimmer is their guy mm-hmm. for the next four years, if you sign him to that contract extension, you're getting through yes. at least two of those probably. Sure. You're giving him way more rope than you would if you sign him to a one-year extension, which in my mind is meaningless. The Chargers just signed Anthony Lynn to a one-year extension. That means you're on the hot seat. Yeah. Otherwise, they would buy into you for much longer. Well, it's like last year with them picking up his team option. Like, same right. type of thing. Yep. That it's, said, we're judging you on this year. And. I think by all accounts, when you look back at what happened pre-New Orleans, that it wasn't rumors flying out there about Mike Zimmer in the Dallas job. That was not rumors. Mm-hmm. I know that there's certain people within that organization who want to say, oh, well, it's just you know hearsay, whatever. No, it wasn't. 
People have reported that. I reported that because that is accurate, that Mm -hmm. that was a legitimate possibility that Dallas, Jerry Jones would have come up here, sent the plane, and brought Mike Zimmer down there and never let him go. And Mike Zimmer probably might have wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, that is what it is. And in that case, you have Kevin Stefanski here as your head coach. And I think that there are several people within that organization, people I know for a fact who would have been pushing the Kevin Stefanski train Mm -hmm. had they lost. But once they won that game, it was game over, that Kevin Stefanski was eventually going to find his way somewhere else, probably to Cleveland, which certainly is what happened, um, and, and Mike Zimmer would stay. It took that playoff win to lock up an extension for Zimmer and to lock up an extension for Kirk Cousins. I've written that, I believe that, and I think that is what we were going to see at the end of all of this. Yeah, I think so too. And what's interesting, two different things off of that. Number one is letting one game one overtime, one coin flip, determine if you're going to keep your coach or not should sort of tell you something about where you stood with the coach to begin with. If that game ends up with New Orleans winning 23-20 or whatever it would have been, I mean, is he fired then? And I wrote about this before that game. If they win the game, is everything just okay now? And it seems with ownership it is. That's how that week felt. Think about the doom and gloom coming out of, you know, coming into 2020 because what the Wednesday of that week was January 1st. So you start off the year thinking, man, these people are going to get their butts kicked in New Orleans, New Orleans, and Mm -hmm. Kirk's not going to be extended. You're going to be thinking about moving on from him. Zimmer could be fired. I mean, he even kind of addressed that like sentiment that no one thought they could win down there. And there's just giant dark cloud hanging over the facility in Egan. And then they go down. They win the game in euphoric fashion. I mean, it was a great win for them. And then it's like everything changed. Like, oh, Zimmer's the best. And I mean, like, it yeah. is a what have you done now for me lately league for sure, because that's how Kirk Cousins was viewed. Because all of a sudden we're talking about, I don't know, is the Vikings going to be moving on from him soon? Well, to he's probably getting a contract extension here yeah. um, because of one win. And I think that that's the thing that shows you we've been walking on eggshells with this team. Zimmer has been walking on eggshells with this team this entire season. And same thing with the quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. Probably the same thing with Rick Spielman in the front office. I mean, there's there's never been much security in knowing that this isn't all a giant facade that could just crumble immediately well, if something if one thing goes wrong. That was my other question is do you want if your ownership those two the front office and the coach to be on different planes like in terms of the way you're viewing them? Do you want One, to be locked up for four years and you say, we're good with this guy, he's our guy. And then the front office, or at least the general manager, not locked into a contract extension. What are you saying at that point? You're saying that Mike Zimmer has more sway and he has more power. So if Mike Zimmer wants to move on from Kirk Cousins, then you almost have to do that. Ownership would have to be the tiebreaker in that situation and say, sorry, we've got to go with our coach because we've already signed him to a four-year extension and we value his opinion more than you as a front office. I think you have to keep them together or move on from them together. But moving on from one and not the other has a very weird vibe when it's the coach being more powerful than the people making the roster decision. That feels very New New England-esque, even though they don't have a general manager because he's also your head coach. But it just there's certain situations where across the league you see the head coach have more power than the Mm -hmm. general manager. Oakland was one of those situations when when John Gruden got there. And that's Um, why they had to fire, who did they fire? Reggie McKenzie McKenzie, and the whole staff. And then they bring in um, Mike Mayock. But... If it does pan out this way, which wouldn't surprise me, I do feel like ownership, and I mean, just the statement that they came out with, 
they didn't do that because there was any sort of circulation about Rick Spielman. I kind of feel like, not that Spielman was an afterthought, but he was just, you know, oh, of course you're going to throw the general manager in there. We both know that their contracts are, are synced up. We have to mention his name in there. But they sure. didn't put that statement out because anybody was questioning whether Rick Spielman was going to come or go. Right, He it wasn't was, even part of the conversation. No, it, it was, was entirely about Mike, Mike Zimmer. Zimmer. And so I think that that's why we're at this space right now where we're wondering, okay, if they're going to stay with this situation that they're in right now with the quarterback, with, with Dalvin Cook, with, with keeping things as status quo as possible, because you kind of have seen that. I mean, yes, there have been some changes to the staff and – Really more just like a game of Tetris of rearranging. Nobody's, I mean, I wrote this in a story for a day. Like, senior defensive assistant with 25 years head coaching and defensive coordinating experience. Two new defensive coordinators who are also their position coaches. Like, do not get this twisted. This is still the same defense. There's just kind of people in different roles, different mm-hmm. voices. Yeah. Like, this is still Mike Zimmer's team. He's going to make tweaks, but it's his defense. It's his defense. Yeah. And it's his team. And, you know, Gary's the head coach of the offense. So... The way that this goes is that they're trying to run this back as much as they did in 2019 with the thought that, hey, we were so many steps uh, away from making making our goals come true. So the other day, I walked out of the press conferences feeling like this is going to be very status quo offseason. Kind of feels like it's already panning out to be that way, right? There's a lot of players who could go, but this team seems to always want to find a way to keep all of their guys. Mm-hmm. Would it surprise you at all if Trey Waynes is back, they find a way to keep Harris, they restructure Everson Griffin? Someone will have to go to make some cap space, but that cap space could be spent on lots of other things. Mm-hmm. They just tend to want to spend it on themselves. Like with Anthony Barr last year, they didn't have any cap space when they resigned Anthony Barr either. And they had to get Kyle Rudolph and Eric Kendricks to redo contracts, sign a contract extension in the case of Kyle Rudolph. And it feels like they're going to do that again. And that it's going to be the very much the same team, very much the same philosophy, and that they will sign Cousins to a contract extension. And right there, you can almost feel when I say that, Vikings fans going, oh. Right, just not really. Is that what we're really going to get? I think that is what you're going to get. Is a very status quo offseason where they draft a corner with the 25th pick or a three technique, and they sign a left guard off a of free agency to compete with Pat Alfline or something like that. It's just if they're going to sign on to Mike Zimmer for four more years, that signs on to much more than just. A coach that signs on to an entire philosophy of how you think you're going to win. And I wonder if they even looked at San Francisco and said, yeah, they kind of look like us. We should just do that more with San Francisco getting to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and said, oh, Zimmer was right there. And, and they played half of that game close with San Francisco. We just need this and this and this. And then we're there. But that's been the conversation for a couple years now. Oh, we just needed Kirk Cousins and then we're going to be there. But your defense didn't hold together as long as you thought it was going to, right? I mean, it's a game of whack-a-mole where it feels like, okay, we just got to fill this spot. Mm-hmm. But once you do, some other issue pops up. And you end up with sort of the same result. Because they've been, they haven't been able to justify blowing the whole thing up. And I understand that because a 9 and 7 team, or even like, let's go back to 2018, 8, 7 and 1 doesn't justify blowing the whole thing up. Right. Because you can come up with the excuse that it was Kirk Cousins' first year. He went through two offensive coordinators, the head coach and the first OC didn't get along. And, you know, it was just a giant mess. Had those things not happened, maybe they would have been in a different position. Right. They've never been in the situation where it was so bad 
that things just fell by the wayside where they're like, we need to start all over, rip it down to the studs. Right. So that's why I think to certain Vikings fans and people who follow this team and care about what they're doing in the offseason, it feels like they're not doing enough because nothing's ever drastic enough. And I, and I think that's a good thing for the way that this organization is always relevant. Mm-hmm. They've made yep. yeah. really good moves. I mean, they're, they're not like... In, in catastrophic space right now with the salary cap, they will figure it out. Like they always manage to do that. They're yeah. not in a situation where it's, it's, it's dire and they're like the Lions every single year. I mean, this is a team that is routinely for the last decade plus in the playoffs. Um, you might have a year or two where you're not, but they are always in the top 15. Let's mm-hmm. just say that. So I understand why fans would be frustrated when they look at this. And, and I also kind of get it from, you know, from just what we've been told about, you know, what the view was on Kevin Stefanski and that maybe, maybe six years had run its course because six years is kind of an eternity for a oh, head sure, coach yeah. in, 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 in a lot of respects in any league, but particularly in the NFL when we are seeing such an offensive explosion mm-hmm. among head coaches where someone like Kevin Stefanski might have been where you wanted to shift the direction and turn it over that way when you have a quarterback who you built literally everything around yeah. that had you kept Stefanski, you know, you already saw the identity of this team change. For the first time under Mike Zimmer in 2019, it did. It became an offensive team because defense regressed. And maybe people, when you look at, you know, kind of the conversation around, you know, the head coach and, you know, how much longer he has and what his leash is, that at that time... It might not have been the worst thing in in the eyes of some people to turn it over to Kevin Stefanski yeah, to try yeah. to keep up with the rest of the league. I think that's honestly where that conversation was going. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and the the problem with that, though, is you still feel like with this quarterback that they've gotten the most out of him they could possibly get last year. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a top defense then you're probably not going deep in the playoffs with him if you don't have a number one or number two ranked defense. Because even having number five wasn't good enough to go to San Francisco and stop their running game or stop Jimmy Garoppolo. Or even in the second half of the New Orleans game where Drew Brees was throwing it all over the place and they came back and tied the game on you, even despite a really good defensive performance. A lot of times with defense in the NFL, it's just not enough. And the last four years, we've seen... All the teams who went into the Super Bowl top five in scoring. And, and that tells you something, I think. Then even when Denver wins the Super Bowl in 2015, they're playing against the number one team in scoring. That offense has usually in NFL history dominated, but I think even more now than ever it has. So there would be a, a good case there if you were people inside the organization that said, oh, Stefanski was really good and we would have liked to keep him and move forward with him as opposed to a defensive coach. Um, but I think it ultimately, whether it's you know Zimmer being a good coach or an average coach or whatever, you look at the front office and say, well, they could have done this or they could have done that. What it always comes back to is the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if I were the owner of the team, I think I would want to go to the front office and the coach, who I both believe are very good and can get me where I need to go, and ask them, what are we doing with Kirk Cousins? And depending on their opinions, that would make my decision for how long I wanted to stay with them. I also think, just because I wanted to step back on something about Kevin Stefanski, you never want to let a good thing go out the door. And somebody who's just on the up and up. Yeah. And because this ownership group took over a team that had Mike Tomlin on it for one year. And look where he's at now. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I think that there might be a little bit of PTSD almost <laughs> from something like that, that it, you don't want to let good coaches go. So you see you have a good thing, Kevin Stefanski, you're kind of put in a bind here, though, because it's like, what do you do? Had they, they won the game in New Orleans. Do you say, Kevin, head coach in waiting, just give us another year or two when Stefanski knows that he can go take over his own team right now, which right. he did? Like right. They were put in a really tough position because had they not won that game, it becomes easy. But because they mm-hmm. won, they were in a bind. And I just feel like there were a lot of people who looked at Kevin Stefanski as the next... Like, Pick, picking things up after these six years yes. that you know had Mike Zimmer almost I think they wanted to kind of Minnesota nice this whole thing be like <laughs> Mike just go to Dallas it's fine like had that that would have been like a perfect scenario where no feelings had yeah. to be hurt where you yeah. didn't have to fire anybody yeah um you know even after a win because it would have like, looked bad even it would have looked bad the Titans did that two years ago yes and you know. He's a third winningest coach, as we heard at the top of the uh, hour, <laughs> mm-hmm. and we will continue to hear. He is the third winningest coach in, in franchise history. It'd be kind of a a weird look to fire him. You know what I mean? And and he's done really, really good things here. He's a great leader. Um, he's you know gotten the franchise to where it's at in yep. consistent position uh, as one of the top fifteen teams in the NFL. Like. I think that that's a fair place to put them because even when they've been seven and nine or eight and eight or you know eight seven and one, they've still been in the mix throughout most of each regular season. Yes, yes. even their bad seasons, even their were bad still seasons are seasons. Yep. not catastrophes. And something horrible usually has to go wrong, like all the offensive linemen getting hurt in 2016 sure. and a bunch of other things in order for them to miss the playoffs or melting down Week 17 with Kirk at U.S. Bank Stadium. So you're usually right there in the mix all the way to the end. And that might be the way some people look at it, is that there's just a cap on what Mike Zimmer can do for you. I look at it a different way, as there's a cap in what the quarterback can do for you. And if I were asking the front office and the coach, all right, give me your separate opinions in two different rooms, just like when they're interrogating somebody, you know, so they can't get their story straight. All right, Mike, tell me, are you okay with moving on to a different quarterback than the one you have now, rather than paying him $35 million a year? All right, front office, you tell me. And if the front office tells me that they're not okay with moving on beyond Kirk, then oh, I'm good. Then I know what I need to do. I need to sign Zimmer, mm-hmm. keep him here, and then move on from the front office for somebody who's going to be interested in trying to upgrade the position. I don't understand why there's one position in sports that people just settle for being okay at and not great, and it's quarterback, because they're afraid of what could happen. I, I wouldn't want to have my front office feeling afraid that it could go sideways if they draft someone else. If they trade up for two and it goes bust, I would have to, as an ownership, say I support that because I think it's the right way to go. Even if it blows up in your face, I know you're a front off, a good front office who could build a great roster, except for what can you do with the quarterback? Mm-hmm. They've run into a lot of tough situations with the quarterback since Rick Spielman has been the general manager. Ponder goes bust, and then you have, you know, obviously the Teddy injury and so forth since then. But if if I'm the owner, I want to be able to trust the direction that we're going to go with it. Because you don't know how it's going to blow up in your face. The Teddy thing looks great until it doesn't because his knee falls apart all of a sudden for no particular reason on one day. That's not Rick Spielman's fault. And then he went out and did a good job of finding other people who can win games as quarterbacks. You're not the Cleveland Browns who have had no one as good as Kirk Cousins or Sam Bradford for 25 years, right? Yeah. So so they've, they've done a good job from that perspective. But if you're not afraid to move on from this, then I can trust you to where we're going. 
But if you demand that we have to stay the same direction at quarterback, I want somebody else who's going to be able to take that risk. And I also, with that said, the front, the ownership, I mean, they can throw money all they want. The salary cap is the salary cap. Yep. Like, front office is going to do all that they can to try to fix this mess that they got themselves into with the with the contract that really hurt the team. Yep. Like, if you're looking at Kirk, and, and this is a conversation for another time, but just quickly, if you're looking at what a potential contract for Kirk Cousins would be an extension, like, it's not going to be, this, it, it could very easily be another fully guaranteed deal. In fact, I expect it would be, because you set a precedent, you're probably going to follow that same thing. Yep. But the way that that will work, it's not going to come in a situation where it's going to hurt the, the health of this team, of what you can right. do to handicap you, to tie your hand behind your back. And I think even he and his team, his his people realize that and you can't fault the front office though you know for for it, it, let's say that scenario comes back up where it's like Zimmer wants one thing with the quarterback front office wants another thing well the front office is probably trying to do what's best for the other 52 guys on the roster to be able mm-hmm. to keep that entire group together to be able to help the salary cap situation to be able to not be in a situation where you can't be active and, and be right. competitive to get good players here right I would imagine if you had Zimmer in a room alone just giving his opinion, he would probably tell you, yeah, there are other quarterbacks who we could probably get for mm-hmm. this system, for Gary Kubiak, who's made mediocre quarterbacks into good and good quarterbacks into great for his entire career. Why can't he do that with somebody else? I think Mike would look at it that way. And plus, there are other guys who can move, who can make plays, who have histories of winning that might be available, including even College quarterbacks who have histories of winning. But if the front office is dead set on we have to keep this quarterback, then I I can't go forward with them if they're not along with Mike Zimmer. I think Zimmer always looks at it as, I just want the best player at every position. And if they're willing to just say, well, you know, we'll take the 14th best player at this position and see what we can do around it, even though we won't have a lot of money to spend around it, I don't think that's the right philosophy to go forward with. Someone who's shown you who they are over five years as a starting quarterback, and if you're not willing to even draft someone in the second round to put behind Kirk to see if that could be your guy, and, and you're just saying, nope, we're signing him, he's our guy, we decided on him in 2018, and we're set there, then I would want different people making the decisions. Uh, let's take a break. We come back. We've got some hot routes to go through, including poems. That is right. There will be poems on the radio when you It's return. Valentine's Day. It is. Yes, it is. We'll be right back. You listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Hey, Score North listeners. It's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need when you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears. Maybe not your blood, but whatever. Like you built a company and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North Download Purple Daily well underway. We'll get you back to that in just a second. But first, join Score North's Rami Maklob and Team KSTP at this year's JDRF One Walk to create a world without type 1 diabetes on Saturday, February 22nd. Join our team or donate to Team KSTP over at scorenorth.com, keyword JDRF. Also over at scorenorth.com right now, Judd Zolgad has the all that you would ever want to know about the Bruce Boudreaux firing covered, including his latest Zolgad colon column. 
that are famous quite around here. Programming note at 4.15, Mackie and Judd with Rami will be joined by senior NHL writer for ESPN, Greg Wyshynski. Join, he'll join the boys for a national perspective on the firing. Also, because he gets upset when I don't include him in this, Caller has a piece about whether the Vikings should be interested in Dolphins quarterback Josh Rosen. Join Score North at the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show Friday, February 21st through Sunday, February 23rd. Your ticket includes gate admission, 14 free greens fee passes, plus seven bonus greens fee passes with advanced purchase courtesy of TwinCitiesGolf.com and one free polo shirt. Tickets and more information over at ScoreNorth.com keyword golf. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Street! Greg, Greg, Greg! Greg Pauly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Rods on Purple Daily. 5-88-397! Okay, I'm hoping to still have enough time to rank the coaches in the league. Like, is Mike Zimmer a top 10 coach? So we'll do that before. Oh, I wanted to do the coaching yeah. draft. Do we forget to do that? No, we will. But it's time for Hot Routes. Do you want to do the coaching draft first, then no, Hot Routes? No, no, because we just played it. You can't throw sure you my can. equilibrium off. You do whatever you want. Said Hot Routes, it's going to be Hot Routes. Go with the Hot okay, Routes. Okay, maybe Hot Routes will include a coach draft. Okay. All right. Okay, ramp it up, Jonathan. Let's go. It is Valentine's Day, everyone. I got my wife the same thing I've gotten her every year. Nothing. And she got me nothing because I can do something nice for my wife whenever I feel like it. I don't have to be told to do it by society and capitalism. All right. Uh, But... It is. It is Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. Can't, so, you can't get off the hook entirely. Not no, with not me. For, not I will hold show. your feet yeah. to the fire on that one. Uh, all right. <laughs> so that Wait. happened. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's write some Vikings poems because it's Valentine's Day. Uh, who is ready? Do you want me to go first? Is yours all set? I, I'm working on a second one, but I've got a, I've got my first one. All right. Are you, oh, go ahead sure. then, with your first poem. Roses are red. Everson Griffin's resurgence was great. Will he bet on himself? Or decide to play it safe. Oh, that's nice. That's good. It uh, leaves you pondering. Pondering. Many things, mostly the defensive end position. He got the voids. He reached every single void he needed to, or he reached every single mark he needed to, to mm. activate the voids in his contract. But at 32 years old, next December, I believe is when his birthday is, um, will he decide, do I... As wa- we found out from him on Twitter... <laughs> I mean, Absolutely you could Wikipedia story. that yourself, but anyways, yeah, neither here nor there. All right. Um, Good job, though. And, no, anyways, but it ma- it makes you think, because we're kind of back in that same situation that we were last year, where he could have gone on as a free yeah. agent to sign somewhere else, and you know, if you don't have that type of season where you get a big deal, or at least it's front-loaded and it looks like a big deal, you could be out of the year league in a year. Mm-hmm. This is another situation, I think, very similar that... You know, this is a place he's played his entire career. Does he want to maybe stay and take, you know, I guess it almost kind of feels like you'd be kind of like walking it back even further where every year you're taking less. And he had, what, eight sacks last year? Eight sacks. And 24 yep. knockdowns? Like, that's pretty good. Pretty he's, good. He started to fade in the second half, which makes you wonder about the and, age And And that's the, that's the part, because yep. um, do you bet on yourself and say, hey, I can go, you know, I earned my right for free agency, which he did. But do you also stay here where your defensive coordinator is also your position coach who's yeah. going to put you in great position? They're very or, close. You know, and yeah. the Vikings, too. I mean, are they ready to turn it over to... I mean, Stephen Weatherly showed that that's not he's not ready for that, but 
are they ready to go with Fadio Denebo and a rotation? Maybe sign know. somebody else. Maybe that's the whole poem. All of the things you just said were a poem. <laughs> it didn't rhyme. Doesn't no, no. It doesn't have to. I rhyme. should have had some like really depressing Did you say haiku. poetry one hundred and one. Doesn't have to rhyme. For this, it does. This is Dr. Seuss level stuff. Okay. Uh, Did you that's come really with- insulting to my brilliant poem. But Jonathan, you go first. <laughs> you, you didn't write I only a haiku. Two lines here. No, I didn't write a haiku. This is just a Valentine's Day poem. But go ahead, Jonathan. All right. We don't have to start with the road is, roses are red thing, do we? No, of course not. Okay, good. Because I didn't. It's just the easiest place to See, start. You're, you're just cle- more clever than the rest of us. No. You're no, basically that's... the Shell Stil- Silverstein of this radio station. Who's that's that? way too much credit. You don't know who Shell Silverstein is? You Falling just... up? Really? Wow. Do you not go, read any books read when you're a, a book. kid? Wow. Right. I bet you don't know who... Uh, okay, whatever. He probably spent too much time watching 90s football when he was a kid. What a loser. A kid? Last night. <laughs> I was watching Houston Oilers and Cincinnati Bengals wildcard round 1990. Do you even have a cable bill? Do you just go on YouTube and watch 90s football all the time? For the most part, and uh, I've been watching BoJack Horseman. <laughs> Other than that, that's the off-season. Fair enough. Read your poem. I don't forget or forgive business is business. These days, everybody's an expert. Stefan's tweets take too much effort. I like that, I like Jonathan. It. I like it. I like that. Just ignore the tweets. We all have a good sense of what's going on anyway. Um, all right, here's mine. Roses are red, and this offseason is scary. Get a free agent guard who can help poor Gary. It's a good one. On Valentine's Day, trade talks are romantic. Don't stick with Kirk Vikings. Go find your Patrick. Huh? Touching. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Moving, it I think. Like a B minus. <laughs> Yours was just you talking about Everson Griffin. <laughs> it rhymed, though. You tried to re- rhyme Kirk with Patrick? No. Romantic. Romantic. And and, uh, X. Can I get like a, do you have like a, a cancel buzzer sign, somewhere. buzzer sign? It does not work. Uh, I think it does. I took rudiment. I, I, no, you rudimentary. You took rhyme school? Yeah, I did. I did. I'm not going to go anywhere with that. All right, we'll just move on then. Uh, did you guys like our poems? Tweet us and let us know. I am I could be an English teacher, essentially. Definitely. Uh, Des Bryant wants to return to the NFL. Would you sign Des Bryant for $1 million? And then, as an add-on, how do we remember Des Bryant in the NFL? Like, was he a great player? Should he have an argument for Canton? Is he sort of overrated at a time and not that great? Like, what do we think about Des Bryant? Well, everybody's going to remember him for the catch, right? Yeah, the knock so, catch. That was catch. a catch. Definitely um, was a catch. I would sign him if I knew his Achilles is if he's good to go. He's veteran minimum, number three receiver here. I mean, what he was going to do in New Orleans before he blew his Achilles out in that practice, I would sign him. This team needs receiver depth. They have none of it. And yeah, they could go get it in the draft, as we talked about. Like That's mm-hmm. a really good draft class. But for $1 million, Sure. We talked about that off the air. So, yes, that's what we were discussing (laughs) off the air is drafting a receiver. Uh, Jonathan? I think along those lines, because this draft is so deep with wide receivers, according to all the experts, I wouldn't because he's 31 and hasn't played in two seasons. I don't know if I want to take that risk. So I'll just stick with drafting a guy in the third round who's probably more of a second round or first round talent. They always bring somebody in. The Jordan Taylor, the mm-hmm. Tavares King. There's always some guy who was Kendall Wright, Kendall Wright. that they bring Man, in. Man, the Kendall Wright era was amazing. Never made it to the season. And uh, he got beat out by Laquan Treadwell for the number three receiver position. Wow. How bad do you have to be? Uh, so why not, Des Bryant? If he wants to come back, would he be good in the slot from time to time or add at least a weapon of people who remember him as a receiver and would want to pay some attention to him? 
yeah, maybe for very, very cheap and very, very cheap only and still draft a wide receiver because that wide receiver is going to help you down the road. For Des Bryant, it would be a one-year type of thing. And in terms of how he's remembered, I don't think he's going to get enough credit. There was a time where Des Bryant is one of the five most dominant receivers in the NFL. It didn't last super long, but he fulfilled what he was supposed to do coming out of college, and he got a ton of criticism, remember? I mean, he Mm -hmm. just got killed from the off-field stuff and everything else. People really love to be down on Des Bryant, and I thought he proved them wrong by being a very good wide receiver. It just didn't last as long as some other guys do. Uh, Next question for you. The TV station that reported the Lions are trying to trade Matt Stafford is standing by their report. Also, apparently Stafford's wife said something on Instagram about wanting to move. She... I, I saw the tweets and it was, or it was on. It was, I saw the screenshots and there was like a line that she like drew and um, wrote text over it about you know well maybe let's go back to California then because ah. um, it was it was basically pulling articles of like why the Lions should maybe do this yeah. it's, just, it's our typical off season stuff when there's nothing going yes. on so you're throwing out hypotheticals which turn into articles but people do read them and some people take them to heart that's right. what I took that as so. The trade doesn't make a whole lot of sense with the salary cap for the Lions at the moment. But and still and the, what, the hit that they would have to incur because he has million, all yeah. of this prorated money left. But next year, next that, year that changes. Story. So if you were Matt Stafford and you were tired, though, of having people say that you were going to get traded, let's say you're Matt Stafford, you demand a trade. Who are you demanding a trade to? And go with only teams that could need a quarterback. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is a perfect fit. Matt Stafford, Bruce Arians, throw the ball down the field to great wide great, receivers all the time. Weapons. Building their offensive line. Their defense is getting better. They put up 458 points last year, which was almost 100 more than the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> they were already an exciting offense. They just threw interceptions constantly. And Stafford, he'll throw a dozen, but not 30. I like it. That's a good fit. Jonathan? I'm going the Chargers. That man's played in Detroit for the past decade and yeah. a half. Give, Give him, him to a climate weather. that's nice. Yes. Tampa's nice? Yeah, Tampa's nice. Yeah. Yeah, sure. No but one I mean, was downplaying your answer. Maybe that's why his wife... Or your poem. Lay off the poem. <laughs> it was good. It got to the point. You're trying to be like one of these authors, like the guy, like Leo Tolstoy, the guy who wrote War and Peace. Yeah, he probably just like could him. have written that book in like, I don't know, 500 pages versus like 2,000. Stop trying to outdo I my wrote poem. four lines. Yeah, but you're like definitely sitting over there snarking silently at me about the strength of my poem. My poem was fine. It got the job done. People know that Everson Griffin is a topic of conversation come free agency. So this has thank you. very aggressive. Very, very, I t- taking this personally. Um, but no. As you do with all your poems. I should have known. I do write a lot of poems, allegedly. Um, no, but think about it. Like His wife did say about moving back to California. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if she's from California initially, but... Callie was in one of the Instagram posts. I'm going to say no. I don't think so people maybe from she... California call it Callie, do they? I don't know. You lived there for a little while. I think we'd call it Callie. Don't do you? Don't, well, you don't call San Francisco uh, San, San Fran, Fran. or Min- Minnesota Mini. Yeah, I see that, that from time to time. I do see that don't too. Do that. Someone just yeah. asked me the other day after I came back from vacation, "Are you back in M I N N E Mini?" Uh, what? Like, what? Yeah, no. How's that? that? Come on, Minnie no. Mouse. Anyways, all right. Uh, if it's this year. I like your guys' options probably the best. The Colts is another one. It's a good yes. situation. How about the Vegas Raiders? Straight yes. up one for one, Derek Carr for Matt Stafford. And then the Lions can decide whether they want to draft Tua sure. and have Derek Carr be their bridge quarterback. 
Who wouldn't want to go play in Vegas? Sure, John Gruden might be crazy. Uh, Mike Mayock might not be even halfway qualified to be a general manager. I don't know. But fun place to play for the Absolutely. Vegas Raiders, for sure. Even though I think that division is going to be pretty hard next year. But if you're Matt Stafford and your wife wants it to be warm, let's go play in Vegas. Cool. All right, uh, Tim Tebow is apparently going to continue playing baseball, even though he struggled in AAA. Do you guys think he ever plays a single game in Major League Baseball? And part two to this question, if he played for the Vikings in 2019, if he was their starting quarterback, how many wins would Tebow and Gary have come up with? How bored do you have to be to be in the situation where you're an analyst, you make a ton of money from ESPN, and you're like, ah, I want to go down and, and go through spring training. I know Russell Wilson does it from time to time. He did it last year. I still don't understand it. Um, stick to being a broadcaster. Like, you're no, this is at the age that he's at right now. This is not going to turn into something. He yeah, would have 32. already. Do you think he, he would have already to play made one it. game though? No. Do they make I do him not. a September call up? Absolutely not. It's the Mets. So no, I don't think so. It's the Mets. Uh, <laughs> if he had played for the Vikings, how many games would he have won? Eight. Jonathan? I am not that optimistic that he could have won eight with that offensive line. I, w- I would have said three or four, maybe, at most. And what do you think about his chances to play in the big leagues? Like I said, it's the Mets, so there's a possibility. Yeah. Anything's a possibility leave, leave with the, the door, Mets. I leave the door open as yeah. well. It's a very small possibility. It hasn't but, happened yet, though, and he's been doing this charade every single year for like the last five years. So I want to say this, from having covered minor league baseball, to be able to hit at double A is really impressive. Double A, he hit like 270 at double A. That means you can play. Now, he's not a prospect, so he's right. not, oh, yeah, we're trying to work him up through the ranks, and then he's going to start in left field for the Mets for 20 years or something. That's not what they're looking at it as. Uh, it's probably can he take this great athleticism that he has and turn it into a power hitter off the bench or something like that at absolute best. That's probably why they took the risk. I'm very impressed with what he did because I've seen how hard it is. College baseball is on our television right now. All these guys have played baseball their entire life. Sure. And they couldn't hit 270 at double A. Most people after single A are just out. Like, they have no chance. So to not play baseball for a really long time and then be decent at double A says a lot. Triple A is a different monster, though. That's like big yes. leaguers playing down there for and, the most And that's part. why I think, is he really going to get through? You're yeah. saying, would he get through an entire triple A season? If, that is so tough. If he does, and I think he deserves a September call. Like, just to say this kind of worked, that he proved he could really play baseball. What happens baseball. to his college football analyst ways at that point? Oh, I mean, it would just be Go for, like, a game. I think if you're No, but if he's going to an entire major league, entire AAA season... Oh, he did it last year, and it I seemed know, to work but, out. I think he left the team to be an analyst on Saturdays or something. I mean, it still is the minors. But if he plays... If I'm Tebow <laughs> and I play one big league game on a September call, then I won. I proved sure. everyone wrong yeah. that I could get to the major leagues, and I think that would be really cool for him. How many games would he have won for the Vikings? I'm going to go seven, because their schedule think- was very easy. And there were some games where they just ran every play in one. Yes. If in the schedule alone, you think back to the games that they ran the ball a majority of the time. You think about Gary. And, and, right, how many receivers know. were wide open. Exactly. So I think eight's a fair, I mean, it's middle of the road. It's actually kind of... An indictment on the starting quarterback when you say that Tim Tebow could have won seven or eight. All right, last question for you here, and then we can do a quick uh, coach draft. Ryan Grigson is back working with the Browns, despite 
being the worst general manager ever when he was with the Colts. I want you to give me a player who's the equivalent, someone who's just really bad and yet would continue to get jobs in the NFL. So Jeff Fishering their way through their career? <laughs> or a player, if you want. Um, I'll give you an example. I think Nathan Peterman's still on a roster. That's a good one. He had like a 12 quarterback rating, <laughs> and someone still has him on a roster. Bad quarterback. Blaine, Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, sure. Blaine Gabbert's that's, a good one. I don't know if he's still on a roster, but he, he was in Tampa last year. Was he really? Yeah. Amazing. Journeyman. I'm not looking any further than a certain Vikings wide receiver who left the roster because he was cut, and then they brought him back because they just needed someone. Ne- Laquan Trevor. They were already paying him. You yeah. can't fault him for that. They were already paying him. But he keeps getting changed. Still, I agree with Jonathan. The fact that he was still there. Yeah. Wow. All right, real quick, before we wrap this up, and then Meyer Metcalf is coming up next. Rapid fire. Let's pick the 10 best coaches in the NFL. So you're, it's, it's like one, 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 yeah, one. Okay. I'm going to start Bill Belichick. Okay. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm keeping track of these. You, well, you get number two. I am. I'm keeping track of these. I'm typing them. Oh, okay, great. Um, Andy Reid. How are you feeling on Valentine's Day? You all right? I'm fine. What does this have to do with anything? You went John Harbaugh? No, I, I said Andy Reid. Oh, Andy so you can Reed. go John okay. Harbaugh. Okay, I'm going John Harbaugh then. Okay. I'm just writing these. Hold on. Um. After that, it gets hairy. Yeah, it does. Uh, scanning the league right now. I'll go Kyle Shanahan. Okay. I'm going to say Sean Payton. Payton? Yeah, he probably honestly should have gone higher. Um, Six, I'll probably I'll take Mike Zimmer. I will go Doug Peterson. Eight, I will go... Where have I forgotten? Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, duh. Just to speed this up. And uh, I'll go Sean McDermott. I think he did a great job with a really, really bad quarterback last year in Buffalo. So we think... And then 10, I'm going Pete Carroll. When you do it that way, I think Mike Zimmer is... A top ten coach because sure, you can reshuffle sure. that a bit. You could have Carroll higher because you he's can got move a Tomlin Bowl. higher too. You can move Tomlin a little higher. You can reshuffle the names. I think he is a top ten coach. And if you are the ownership, you probably say if you have a top ten coach, you don't want to get rid of him. But mm-hmm. what is your approach to the quarterback position would be my determining factor. So this was fun. Poems, football. All right. Uh, <laughs> Myron Metcalf is coming up next. We're going to talk about uh, Kirk Cousins' contract that was proposed by Bill Barnwell, as well as uh, who the most interesting under-the-radar teams are. That's when Myron uh, comes in when we return. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Good afternoon. Welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here, and as he is every Friday, Myron Metcalf of ESPN joins me. What is up on this Valentine's Day, Myron? More football, man. And also football. the coldest temperatures of the year, right? Or well, something like that? No. That's, it, 14 below. I woke up this morning, it was like 14 below. To quote all the football men, it is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it is. I walked the dog this morning and thought, I moved here, huh? And bought a house here, huh? That was a good idea. Like I, I, th- I did that in the summer. I bought the house in the summer, and it was great. And now we're here. Um, but 
Uh, that is our lives in Minnesota. So there's lots to get to. I want to get your take on Miles Garrett being reinstated and also want to look at some teams that are flying under the radar this offseason as we have discussed so much quarterback madness and which teams need quarterbacks. Uh, I think there's a few very interesting teams that we haven't touched on at all that could be low-key very interesting. Um, but let's start out with your colleague, Myron, uh, Bill Barnwell proposed a Kirk Cousins contract uh, in ESPN. He's doing a series of articles which are absolutely awesome. Uh, five things that every team is looking to do this offseason, and one of them for Barnwell is signing Cousins to a contract extension. So I think before I give you the proposed contract from Barnwell, I think just the premise in general of the Vikings having to sign Kirk Cousins to a contract extension. I have been amazed over the last couple of weeks, Myron, how few people have tweeted me who listened to the show or emailed me and said, you guys are crazy. They have to re-sign Cousins right now. I don't think I've gotten a single email or tweet that has even taken that side because of what has happened over the last two years and maybe a lot of people like I would look at 2019 as being kind of a peak for this team and now they're in salary cap jail and a lot is going to have to change and and, and I just think that there's very little interest among the fan base in sticking with Cousins long term which doesn't mean that he's a horrible quarterback or that he played poorly last year overall he had a very good season it's about looking forward and who is going to be your franchise guy for the future. And there's just not a lot of enthusiasm for a a Cousins extension. Yeah, I mean, it feels like people almost feel trapped, I think. Like, if if you sign him, it's not because you think he's necessarily the best option or or because you think he's going to lead them anywhere. It's because you're going, okay, what are my options, right? It's not like somebody in a terrible relationship or something on Valentine's Day, but they don't want to move on, you know? Like, all right, whatever. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day, another year, right? So I feel like the Vikings have kind of put themselves in that position. But, Kyle, I don't think anybody thinks that there's a future beyond what we've already seen. Like, what is this team most likely under Kirk Cousins? It's a team that's going to be fighting to probably get in the playoffs, get in, and if they win a game, that's probably close to the ceiling. Now, that's not how this thing started, because when you got Kirk Cousins, the idea was that, hey, is he a guy who can take you to a Super Bowl? That feels like it's out the window, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like we've sort of realized that that's not going to happen, most likely. So if that's not going to happen, what is the issue with potentially developing a younger quarterback and hoping over the next three to four years you've got a guy who can be that long-term starter this franchise has always missed? I think those are the people who are saying, hey, hold off on the Kirk Cousins contract. Because maybe we shouldn't be playing for the immediate future. Maybe this is about what comes after that because we know we're limited with him at quarterback. I think people also understand the math formula here when it comes to how much it costs versus what you get, even versus how much Gary Kubiak needs at the quarterback position to get this same sort of production. Kirk Cousins in 2018 under John D. Filippo threw 606 passes. So they were in the shotgun a lot. The running game wasn't very effective. They were throwing all the time. And if your quarterback is the centerpiece of your offense to the point where you're throwing 600 passes, 
then you want that quarterback to be able to handle that load. And it was very clear in 2018 that Cousins was not the type of guy who can handle that load and take a team anywhere. So in 2019, they say, all right, we're going to run Delvin all the time. We're going to dial it back. We're going to make sure he's got play actions and bootlegs, and he's only going to throw 444 passes. I know he played one fewer game, but even then he would have only thrown 464 or something like that. And so when you have a quarterback who has everything designed to sort of put them in a cocoon and protect them, let's make sure he's doing play actions and bootlegs yeah. and getting away from the rush. And, and let's just make sure that when we're up in a game, we're not putting the gas pedal down. We're handing off to Delvin Cook. It said a lot that against New Orleans in the playoff game where Kirk comes out the hero, he just as easily could have come out the goat and not in a good way if... They had lost the coin toss. If they lose a coin toss and Drew Brees goes and wins that game, we're looking at it like, oh, they didn't trust the quarterback to put up more points. They handed off to Delvin on third and 17 or whatever, or took a sack or handed off to Delvin on second and 17. I forget exactly the order, but they clearly wanted to just give it to Delvin Cook at the end of the game instead of saying, hey, go finish this thing, quarterback who we pay $84 million. And, And so you put all that together, and then you go, well, do you really need a quarterback who's paid this much to get this type of production if everything has to be the situation, the scheme, the circumstance, the receivers around you? That's where I, I think most fans look at it and they can add it up and say, well, it just doesn't really make that much sense. Well, we're asking the same questions about Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Like We're asking the same questions about Jared Goff. Like All of these quarterbacks in recent years who've gotten big money, we're wondering now, wait a minute. Is that about their talent, their skill and ability, or is it about the pieces they have around them? And I certainly feel that Kirk Cousins, to your point, is in that the pieces around him category. He has proven that, where you want to put him in the best situation because that's your only chance, uh, I think, to win at the highest levels and to beat the best teams. The game that will always stand out for me is not San Francisco because, to be honest, who looked good against San Francisco? other than Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, right? Uh, Most quarterbacks didn't look good against San Fran, especially on the road. I still go to Green Bay. I still look at that game on Monday night football Mm -hmm. that I had the privilege to attend. You did too. And and this is a game where the Packers are saying, go up 30-zip because it's right there for you. Like you can go into halftime up three or four touchdowns. We are playing that poorly. Three turnovers, could have been a fourth. Nothing was working for the Green Bay Packers. The other missing element in that game, Dalvin Cook's hurt. So now you've got a guy in Kirk Cousins, where at the time we still don't know exactly what's going to happen in the playoff picture, playing with some stakes, some high stakes. Yep. And what does he do? Nothing. He, he does nothing. Without his safety net, Dalvin Cook behind him, uh, without things just sort of working the way they had in many games for him, because a play-action pass, yes, he has been really accurate, downfield, but it's not like he's throwing into these tight windows every time and you think he's a guy who's going to pull a rabbit out of a hat. You almost feel like things have to be perfect for him in every situation. In that Green Bay game, where it felt like in the first half things were perfect, perfect, you had every opportunity to capitalize, you couldn't do it. And then when the Packers get a little momentum in the second half and you're saying, Kirk, you got to bring us back into this game, he couldn't do it. And if you can't do those two things, to me, as an elite quarterback, you belong in that second tier category of guys where we got to put the right pieces around you and everything has to be close to perfection in order for you to really excel 
in games against elite opponents and elite quarterbacks. So if you're in that category, Collar, how do I give you three more years? Like, like what am I doing to say, okay, you've definitely earned this position that you should be the leader of a franchise that signed you hoping for a Super Bowl? I think that's where people are going, why extend the guy where we know we're getting the same results, and I feel like we know what his ceiling is. Mm-hmm. So if we understand his ceiling, at what point do you make a decision to say, let's go out there, let's identify a young quarterback, yes, things might be tough early on, but we're playing the long game. Because playing the short-term game hasn't really worked for the Minnesota Vikings. So why not try the alternative? Well, So I was thinking about this as you are talking. What's the best counterpoint to what you just said? And everything you said was accurate, that when there were opportunities and the door was open for Cousins in the last two years and probably for his entire career, if we looked closer at what happened in D.C., uh, to get a team over the top, to get a, a 2018 team, make up for some of the defensive deficiencies and injuries in 2018, make up for a running game that isn't there if you're going to be a true franchise quarterback and he couldn't do it. And then this year, show up in one of those games against Green Bay, show up against Chicago, show up in San Francisco, throw the ball in San Francisco instead of just taking sack after sack. I mean, especially when I went back and watched the coaches tape, it it was the offensive line, but it really was when you can't run, this guy is never going to be the one who can pick up the slack or not often and especially not against good teams. You just said never, Colin. You just said never. It has been never. Mean, I, mean, I know, but, I know that. Years, it's been but never. That, but doesn't that mean something? Yeah. No, it does. It does. That, and, and that's why if I, so many people who have watched the last two years are totally fine with them drafting a quarterback or looking for other options or trading him for Jimmy G straight up or whatever it might be because it has been never. Two good games against the Philadelphia Eagles is not enough in two seasons to say that you justified the deal, especially when you have been given a golden throne to sit on with this with this offense. I mean, if, if we're going to get to blaming the left guard for why you can't get over the top against good teams, I mean, th- then you know that everything else is great. You just had a great circumstance. You've got one of the all-time great teachers of offense in Gary Kubiak, and it still ends up with the same results. And we also have seen other quarterbacks get elevated by these guys since 2016, Bradford, Keenum, and now uh, Kirk Cousins. So it's very hard to say that someone else wouldn't be elevated as well, someone possibly cheaper. But what's the what's the best counterpoint to this? I, I mean, it might be that Christian Ponder happened, or that Tavares Jackson happened, yeah. or that the entire history of the franchise is going from Rich Gannon and Sean Salisbury to... Jim McMahon and Warren Moon and Brad Johnson and just Jeff George shows up at one point. I mean, that's the entire franchise's history is just bouncing from quarterback to quarterback to quarterback and chasing this. The best I could come up with is that it would offer you stability and you know exactly what you have and how good you have to be to get over the top with this quarterback. But I'm not sure that that's ever going to be attainable in a salary cap NFL. I mean, that becomes the question, you know, is how do you make how do you make that work? But I think what you described earlier, I think Minnesota Vikings fans oftentimes feel like they're the only ones who've experienced uh, this fluctuation at quarterback, Mm -hmm. uh, this sort of revolving door. But other than Green Bay, which went from Aaron Rodgers, went from uh, Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, 
and, and Joe Montana to Steve Young and uh, Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, which is, which are the three cases we always cite when it comes to continuity at quarterbacks. Look, they did it in the Colts. The Colts did it, and the Packers did it, and the 49ers did it. Okay, tell me who else in modern football has done it. Like, like, tell me how many franchises were just humming along with a great quarterback and they identified the perfect quarterback after that. It's not likely, right? It's a difficult thing to find the right person and, and then to develop that quarterback into a talent that can take you 10, 15 years. But it's still worth the risk. You know, I think when the Packers, when the Vikings ended up uh, with some of the guys they had, Christian Pond and Tavares Jackson, they were still searching for that guy. Like, you can't stop that search and be content simply because you feel like a guy, you have a guy who's okay, who, who's, who's maybe just good enough. Like, that's not the goal. That's not the mission. This is a team that invested because they wanted to win the Super Bowl. They thought they were one really bad game away from getting there with Case Keenum, who is a lesser quarterback than the guy they have now. So now you have him, and you go forward and say, well, how can we justify spending that kind of money when we know we've kind of reached that ceiling? They're going to have to break this thing up to keep Kirk Cousins, right, from the cap perspective. Yep. They're going to keep Kirk Cousins, but you're going to lose a lot of key pieces around him. Uh, you're going to try to force guys, I guess, to restructure contracts. But this team is going to change fundamentally. And that gets me thinking, Collar, you're going to take away pieces from a guy who hasn't been able to win at the highest levels with the pieces you have now? How does he get better? Like, show me the path to Kirk Cousins doing anything more than leading the Vikings into the playoffs and maybe winning a game. Like, what's the situation where that happens? And if it's not... Why not go all in on trying to identify either a quarterback now or just find a, a temporary replacement now uh, behind him? Maybe some that you think if they don't identify that guy in the next couple of years, you have someone who can step in and maybe look into 2021. But I would think these next couple of years looking for a quarterback of the future should be the energy of this franchise. Not let's just hold on to Kirk Cousins because we feel like he's okay because you're just going to be in this situation all over again three years from now, right? We've also seen this play out in D.C. In 2015 and 2016, they had built up their team to be very strong. Now, not necessarily on defense, but with the offense, you had Sean McVay there, you had Deshaun Jackson, yeah. Pierre Garçon, two good tight ends. Does this sound familiar? And when things <laughs> when things dropped off, when some offensive linemen got hurt, when some receivers left in 2017, all of a sudden, he goes from being... You know, a very good quarterback, probably fringe top 10 in 2016, to more like the 20th best quarterback in the league in 2017. That's been his history, is that he fluctuates a lot depending on what's around him. So if Stefan Diggs does say, I want out and I'll never play for the Vikings again, and demands a trade, or if Delvin Cook says, guess what, I'm sitting out, guys. I'm just going to sit on the sideline and training yep. camp and watch you guys practice because I don't have a contract then we're probably talking about Kirk Cousins really struggling. Or last year, the offensive line was healthy the whole year. They weren't a great offensive line, but imagine if they go into this year with pretty much the same guys up there and Garrett Bradbury gets hurt or you know Josh Klein gets hurt for the season or Brian O'Neill, who's their best offensive lineman. Then all of a sudden you're talking about pretty rough circumstances with a quarterback who can't overcome them. And last year, the Vikings were the least injured team in the entire league, which makes yeah. you think that they'll be more injured next year just by you know kind of how randomness works. And if he's going to face tougher circumstances in 2020... 
and and even beyond that, it's very hard to see him making up for it, which means that you don't want to pay him. Not that he yeah. can't be good with everyone around him. It's just that you don't want to lock into somebody that requires so much around them. But I'll give you Bill Barnwell's proposed contract, and you can tell me what you think of it. So the cap hits would be this, because that's all anyone cares about. In 2020... 25 million because you can lower his cap hit with a contract extension for this year. With the signing bonus, right? You yep. Can, yep. Yep. That would be 15 million base salary, $10 million each year signing bonus. In 2021, the cap hit would be 29.5, then 35, and then 40 in 2022 <laughs> and 2023. Does that interest you at all? No. No, especially when you hit the 40 million mark. Now, obviously, the cap will change uh, by then, but. No, I think to me, what are you getting? Like, what are you getting? And to what we've been discussing, if you have to build around him, are you able to do that? Because now you're talking about by 2021, 2022, guys can age pretty quickly, right? I mean, a guy like a Diggs, if he sticks around, could go from really good to losing a step and all of a sudden things change. Adam Thielen was never himself after an amazing season that he had. Uh, that's how quickly things can change. So for me, if I'm paying that kind of money and taking that kind of a cap hit, I'm going to hope that in those final years, you've got a contender. And I think everything we're talking about suggests that things might go in the opposite direction where you might need Kirk Cousins to be so much better to keep this team in the playoff hunt. It's to me, Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott, right? Like why are the Cowboys waiting to pay Dak? Why haven't they just paid him right away? I think the Cowboys see Dak as a guy where they've gone. We've seen him without Zeke, and we've seen that Dak can be a different guy. We saw what happened when he didn't have Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if Amari Cooper leaves, right? So I think that's they're trying to figure out, is he in the Mahomes-Russell Wilson, he can pull a rabbit out of a hat category, or is he in the category of we got to build around him and keep a lot of good pieces next to him in order for him to excel? And if that's the case, we can't give him $38 million. Whereas Mahomes, you go, who cares who leaves from that Super Bowl team? You got Patrick Mahomes. Right. After what he did, yeah, he's going to get $40 million a year over five years at least because he's proven that it doesn't matter who's around him or the circumstances. He turned Sammy Watkins into a Super Bowl hero. You're going to pay that guy. But every team should think long and hard about investing in any quarterback who's not in that particular category. And I don't know how many guys are in that category right now, Kyle. It's Mahomes. It's Russell Wilson. You still put Drew Brees there, or is Drew Brees now in that second tier, too? I think there's a case to be made that he's in that second tier. When you tier. can't throw it farther than 30 yards downfield, that, probably. That seems like a problem. Aging Brady, I don't think, is, that category, is in that category anymore. Deshaun Watson, uh, there aren't many quarterbacks in that top tier of guys where you go, pay them whatever they want because they're going to find a way and make everyone around them better. Uh, everyone should be concerned going forward in that second category. I think Kirk Cousins is in that second category. And if you're talking $40 million cap hits, I want $40 million cap hit if I know I have a contender and I know I have a quarterback that I certainly trust. Kyle, if you don't know that, isn't that a big number? Well, And you also don't know the status of the franchise in 2023. Every team always assumes that, oh, we'll just draft great and it will, it'll be fine. We'll <laughs> exactly. just keep a really good roster around him. And by 2023, we'll have all these young superstars that we drafted. But here's the thing we forget a little bit about how this team was built and how much luck was involved in building this team. The 2015 draft. 
They take a first-round corner who turns out to be average starter, which is good in the league, Trey Waynes. Their second pick is Eric Hendricks, who is all-pro. Their third pick is Daniil Hunter, who's one of the best players ever through his age. And their fifth-round pick is a superstar wide receiver. They have another receiver show up from Mankato for a tryout who turns into a pro bowler. I mean, it's it's taken a lot of things to fall right into place. A lot of guys, I mean, Anthony Harris is a guy who's undrafted and doesn't just become good. He becomes great. And even Everson Griffin, a fourth-round draft pick who is a situational rusher, is not just good. He's great. They get Linval Joseph over from New York. You think, okay, it's a nice nose tackle, solid player. And in 2017, he's one of the best players in the entire NFL. And even with Xavier Rhodes, we saw a guy who's a late first-round pick briefly turn into a Revis Island type of corner for a couple years. All those things had to align perfectly for this team to get to where they were in 2017 and be as good as they were even last year because of a lot of those same pieces. If you're going to look four years in the future, you have to say, is that going to happen again? Or are we going to need someone at that position? And how is it going to happen without being able to pay anyone? And you got to have someone at that quarterback position who can raise the level of everybody if you want to be a legitimate contender. And it is funny how quarterback is the one position that teams aren't really looking to upgrade if they have some Someone who reaches a certain bar. Like if you can get in the top fifteen, then teams will be like, ah, you know, we let's just stick with that guy. It almost reminds me of how NBA teams, and I'm not pointing this directly at anyone locally specifically, but NBA teams and a star player who scores 25 points a game, they will never look to upgrade from that guy. They'll oh, always no. go, no, no, we got to sign him to the max. We got to make <laughs> sure we keep him. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is is probably a better example than Carl. Andrew Wiggins showed no reason to want to keep him on a massive contract extension over his first few years. He showed you exactly what he was and what he was always going to be, and yet it was like, well, he does score. You know, just you'll try to find your way to apologize around it because you don't know if you could get another one of those guys. But if you don't have a guy who's better than that, you probably never win. And it's the same conundrum that teams get themselves into with quarterback. Yeah, and at least in the NBA, though, you you can see how. A Dame Lillard in Portland is probably never going to win anything close to a championship. But people will come out to see him play. I mean, that's the thing with the NBA. Star power means a lot because fans are really showing up to see one or two guys, right, on your team and maybe another guy from the opposing team. Whereas in the NFL, it's not like that. I mean, the NFL, your season ticket holders and even the guys who aren't, they're going to come and see your team play. Uh, Whether Matt Moore is playing or not. Yeah, you'll have a maybe a, a... Slightly bigger crowd. Maybe some people stay home for Matt Moore and the Chiefs, but it's still the Chiefs. Like, that's still the city's team, and they're still embracing him, even when a guy like Mahomes uh, is dealing with an injury. So I I think there's no, like, marketing reason to keep Kirk Cousins. I I don't think people are like, wow, if you don't re-sign Kirk Cousins, I'm not coming to U.S. Bank Stadium. So you don't have that situation. So to me, like, why the long-term investment? So you go into 2023, potentially, and you've got Kirk Cousins, maybe trying to hold on to uh, his job, prove that he's still a NFL starter, potentially, if things decline. And also maybe having a team that doesn't look like uh, a contender at all. So now you spend all this money, and you get to that point where you're like, we're going to have to rebuild anyway. Or you can be in a position where you go get that quarterback in 2021, and now in 2023, they're year three. They're still on a rookie deal. You still have time to assess them. 
but you also have the ability to build build around them as well. That, to me, feels like an ideal scenario because if a young quarterback or Kirk Cousins are going to put the team in the same situation, why does it matter? Like, don't you want the cheaper option? At any other position, to mm-hmm. your point, Kyler, you would take the cheaper option. Only at quarterback do we go, well, I don't know. You want a guy who's seasoned, a, a veteran? Well, 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 why? If he's not going to take me to a couple of wins and not put me in the playoff picture, if I want to be in the same boat, then why not keep the guy I have? If you're the Chicago Bears and Mitch Trubisky, is, you're going, well, do we pick up that fifth-year option or not? Is Marcus Mariota going to come in and change the Bears? Is that what you think? Well, if you don't, yeah. You're going to keep Mitch Trubisky because that's the situation you're in with or without him. And I think Kirk Cousins, potentially, whether he's here in 2023 or you've got some young quarterback who's developing and they're on their second or third year as a starter, you might be in the same boat. But the difference will be with that young quarterback, there's a future there that you can build on versus maybe having to start fresh and all over again if you've got Kirk Cousins and then he's done after that final year. Okay, I have one more question for you on this when we come back from the break. And then I want to look at teams that are under the radar in the NFL offseason because one of those teams, in my opinion, made a move today that's, you know, expected, but reminded me that they exist. So let's take a break and uh, we'll come back and do that. You're listening to Purple Daily, Matthew Collar and Myron Metcalf on Score North. Welcome back to Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, along with ESPN's Myron Metcalf. And we've got a lot more to talk about, including a move. This is the season, Myron, where something happens. We all go, ah, something happened. We need to talk about that on the football show. That if it happened during the real season, we would just sort of shrug our shoulders and talk about how they were scheming against the Lions. Um, Josh Norman, not surprisingly, let go by the Washington Football Club. Um, I don't need a reaction on that or whether the Vikings should go after him because I've got my Twitter mentions for that. Everything that happens, should the Vikings go after this guy? Like, uh, No, probably not, <laughs> since he wasn't even trying last year. But it made me think of this, Myron. There's a number of teams out there that we have not discussed at all for this offseason that could kind of be interesting or maybe even be a surprise team. So the Patriots quarterback situation, what's going on with Phillip Rivers, all that is dominating the headlines. But a team like Washington goes 3-13. and They bring in Ron Rivera. They're generally an awful, awful, pathetic franchise that has no idea what they're doing. But they bring in someone with a much better pedigree, presumably give him a ton of power, because if you're Ron Rivera, why would you go to D.C. unless they're giving you a ton of power? And they have a rookie quarterback that they drafted last year who was not great but showed some signs toward the end of the year. That's always tends to be pretty good for you being able to spend some money. Um, Alex Smith's contract is still getting in the way, but there's even talk of Alex Smith potentially coming back after what he wow. went through. I know, right? Which seems <laughs> unbelievable considering that his career should have been over. Modern medicine is a, a good thing. But Washington in that division, which is generally not great, I don't see the Giants taking a huge step because they have no idea what they're doing. Dallas could be a contender. Philly could be a contender, but I'm not sold on either team being great. There's just always, Myron, that one team who does a bunch of stuff in the offseason and then takes a huge jump, and we all go, oh, I guess we should have seen that coming because, you know, the, the 49ers, they drafted Nick Bosa and then, you know, they get their quarterback back and, and things like that. I wonder if Washington could be one of those teams or maybe I'm crazy and you have a better candidate for this. 
Well, I, I, I guess it all depends on what you think of Ron Rivera as a coach. Do you think he's a great coach? What do you think happened at Carolina? Just I, I think he's a very good coach. I think yeah. he's a professional coach that you probably would I never hope so. have put. I hope he's a professional no, th- coach. I mean, Freddie Kitchens sort of changed my view on this. Yeah, true. He made me think there's some guys that get into these positions and are so in over their head that they yeah. should never come anywhere near head coaching ever. Someone with Ron Rivera's experience, and they won a lot of games in Carolina with him there, didn't hurt to have peak Cam Newton for some of those years, but you know they had good defenses as well and built good rosters, and he knows what he's doing. He knows how to create a culture and all that sort of stuff and uh, connect with players. You saw how many players were upset when he got let go. All those things, I, I think, are positive, and I'm not convinced that Washington had that with the guy in charge before, and especially the GM who was in charge before, and... I'm not saying that Ron Rivera would be the difference between 13 and 3 or 3 and 13 and 13 and 3, but in terms of making them an interesting team again, there's always somebody and they have some of the earmarks of team a team that could take a big step forward. Yeah, I mean Haskins, let's see what he is, right? With with a full offseason and a full year of reps, if you have something there, that's the starting point. I I guess I just wonder if Ron Rivera isn't a bit like Mike McCarthy in that they come from sort of that generation of when something works, they tend to stick with it and that makes it difficult to adjust uh, the older they get, you know, where the things that happened after Cam Newton got hurt, who when Cam Newton was, was healthy under Ron Rivera. Uh, I mean, he, when North Turner was the offensive coordinator, he was playing some of the best football of his career. He yeah, just couldn't he stay was. healthy for those two years. So I do trust Ron to put the right guys around Haskins to help him develop. But there were a lot of low moments after after Cam Newton. And, you know, you have to wonder, is that just because he didn't have his starting quarterback? Uh, were there things that he wasn't adjusting to? So so that'll be the question there when it comes to a place like Washington. If Haskins is good, if Haskins is a guy that can be a reliable starter, then that's a different conversation. If Haskins isn't that and that becomes clear in, in year two, uh, I think anybody, whether it's Ron Rivera or another coach, might be in a difficult position. And I just, isn't it hard to shake the culture of a team and an organization, even when they get a new coach? You're just so accustomed to a team not making the right decisions. Uh, and I got to see some consistent, uh, some consistently uh, good decisions made by Washington before I believe in them. My, my pick, and maybe this is crazy, right? Maybe this doesn't make us make any sense. Tampa Bay with a better defense and a more efficient quarterback, potentially, is a very intriguing team to me. Like, that's a team that had some amazing highs, a bunch of lows, but amazing highs. They go toe-to-toe in Seattle with the Seahawks. Uh, They put up 55 in that big win over the Rams. They beat a team. You know, they beat a good Colts team. They were a play away or, or maybe a drive away from beating some of the better teams in the league. Now you had a guy in Jameis Winston who, you know, neutralized and voided a lot of his production with his problems with turnovers, but whether they bring him back and he's more efficient or they go out and get someone who can fill that role, I think Tampa, uh, which could bring back Shaq Barrett, better sign him to a long-term deal, Pierre Paul, and, and then add some new pieces as well. That to me could be a very intriguing team, uh, in the NFC. That that really to me isn't that defined. Like I don't know that everything we saw in the NFC, other than San Francisco being a difficult team to deal with with that defense, 
is going to repeat next year. But Tampa Bay, I think, has a chance to make some moves and and be that in the NFC and make some noise. In terms of cap space, they have $79 million in cap space. Only the Dolphins, Colts, and Bills have more than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the moment, uh, which is absolutely a promising sign. I disagree with you on Shaq Barrett. I think when a guy shows up one year and gets a ton of sacks, you need to be very wary of the Vic Beasley effect, You know where someone... They get a bunch of sacks, and you think, oh, they must have developed or whatever. And sometimes sacks can be somewhat random. You know, like you yeah. you just fall your way into a few more sacks than you would have gotten. Also, I think edge rushers are starting to get massively overpaid, that there are a lot of them out there. But when you give Khalil Mack $20 million, and he's the best of the best, I still don't think he's worth almost as much as a quarterback, though. So if you're Barrett, you're probably saying... Uh, yeah, you got to pay me like Khalil Mack because I got those type of sack numbers, and they probably will do it. I just think that a lot of times you can find somebody else or a rotation that does that unless it's the best of the best. And even then, I'm starting to think that that position is getting overblown in terms of pay. Yeah, but, but what I think you're describing in terms of you don't have to pay, pay a guy like that, if you've got an established culture, I, I'm with you. If you've got an anchor at quarterback, if you've got a system where you're like, this thing is going to work, even if we have to replace a guy like Shaq Barrett and we get approximately the same value or maybe slightly less uh, with his replacement. But this is a Tampa Bay team that's still putting it all together. And I think yeah. that's the kind of guy where even if that, even if the sacks were misleading, I think you gamble there and put a key piece in place because what Bruce Arians has said is he's got to work. He's got to focus on defense, not quarterback. Do they bring back Jameis Winston? Do they bring in Phillip Rivers? I'm not sure, but there's a lot of proof, to, a lot of evidence to suggest that that Tampa Bay offense is ready to go, whether it's Winston or someone else. And if you can improve things defensively, you become a very interesting team. You go from maybe being the team that is a play away from beating Seattle to actually winning on the road at Seattle, uh, a team that maybe wins some of those close games that they were in. They weren't destroyed. They weren't bullied in a lot of games. They, they lost on a lot of mistakes. And if they can clean that up, I, I think – Tampa Bay could be a really, really interesting, interesting team. But to your point, you got a bunch of room, money to spend. How yep. do you spend it? Yep. Where do you invest it? Which is a very difficult thing in the NFL. Well, and and that's the thing is, do you invest it in Philip Rivers? Do you invest it in Teddy Bridgewater? Would you? Would you pay Philip Rivers? Not in Tampa. No, I I think the Bruzarians, and this would be also my concern a little bit with Bridgewater. I think it's a great situation, but if Arians wants to stick with his classic Bruce Arians, throw the ball down the field a bunch then you need to have a quarterback who's able to do that unless he's going to adapt. I, I don't see Phillip Rivers as having the arm left to be able to execute an offense that's looking to take risks, but maybe he just did that because he had Carson Palmer and then tried to do it with Jameis Winston because of arm strength last yeah. year, and maybe he would adapt. They do have a lot of the looks of a team that goes from 7-9 and nine to 13-3, and three, in part because you could see the Saints dropping off. I don't think the Falcons are getting any better, especially since they didn't change coaches. Carolina will be straight up bad, and if they're smart, they'll lose for Trevor Lawrence next year. Yep. They should trade away Cam Newton, play Kyle Allen, go 1-15, or even someone worse than Kyle Allen, and go 1-15 and draft Trevor Lawrence and 
do the same thing they did with Cam yep. and and Jimmy Clausen, right? Um, but but that division is one that is right there for the winning. And here's a crazy stat for you: the Bucks actually had a better point differential than the Seattle Seahawks last year. They were plus nine. The Seattle Seahawks were only plus seven in point differential. So they even showed signs last year of actually being a good team. It was just that their quarterback threw. 30 interceptions and and that's but the, he was still balling though remember that he was still balling. sure yeah it was the the eye surgery now <laughs> it's like a major league yeah like, that's all he needed was just yep. the eye surgery uh i think he had contacts be able to see. before though yeah you gotta be able to so see so i you could probably see anyway if he had contact <laughs> like i have contacts i could see just as well as anyone with lasik anyway it doesn't matter uh I, I'm glad that it's come to fruition that I thought Jameis Winston was not a guy who you'd ever want as your franchise quarterback, and he has proved that over and over again. So I'm kind of happy about that. There are only a handful of people that I actively root against in the NFL. Jameis Winston has good reason to root against him. Uh, but um, Tampa Bay has such a great setup for whoever yeah. they make their quarterback. It's just that that decision will probably determine how good I think they're going to be. If they go with Rivers, I'm going to be pretty skeptical. I think he had a, a good setup and a good team in in Los Angeles last year and just was not able to get it done with a lot of late-game situations. A lot of his yards were empty yards when they were losing by two touchdowns to come back and lose by one touchdown. We've seen that here in Minnesota before. I mean... If they get Brady, I'm really intrigued. If they get Bridgewater, I'm pretty intrigued. But if they get left out of that party, then what? Then what are they doing at the quarterback position? I mean, that becomes the the, the question. And and Bruce has been sort of dismissive uh, in in postseason press conferences about it. Uh, but clearly, he has to figure that out. He's talking about defense being a priority. But number one, you got to clear up what happens. It does not appear that Jameis Winston is coming back. I mean, I think that's something we know by now, I think, and it makes sense. If you're Bruce Harris, you go, there's a greater chance that he just can't shake these problems with accuracy and he becomes someone else's problem uh, versus us being able to find, even if you get a Teddy Bridgewater and he's not the perfect quarterback, he, to me, is a more efficient quarterback. I think Jameis can do more than a Teddy Bridgewater, but that comes with so many mistakes and so many opportunities where you're right there and then you can't you can't make that play or you make the wrong play. But if they find that spot, they're going to be pretty pretty good to, to your point. And I think the league, the AFC is less interesting in that you got to go through Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. And Deshaun Watson, potentially, maybe is number three right there, but – you got to go through this gauntlet of good teams with great quarterbacks, and no matter what you add this offseason, those guys are going to be difficult to deal with. Whereas the NFC, to your point, you go, I think San Francisco will will be good again, but how many times have we seen a team play great defense, come back the following year, and they just yes. weren't the same team because yep. you needed quarterback play to improve. Chicago Bears, right? You can't do this back-to-back years because the NFL is so complicated and teams do such a great job of adjusting. So the hierarchy in, in the NFC could dramatically change, and that seems to open up the door for a number of teams, not just the Tampa Bay, but just a number of teams throughout the NFC that might be a couple players away, might be a year away in terms of experience for their quarterback from kind of making that jump uh, and changing the playoff picture. There is a Vikings point to be made there that in 2020, right now things don't look that great in in terms of your salary cap, your draft capital, of which 
they don't have a ton of. They have a lot of picks, but they don't have a lot of high picks. It's not like they have three firsts or something like that. Uh, and having the 25th overall pick is not generally a guy that you think can just step right in. And recent history would tell you that. Mike Hughes wasn't great as a rookie and then got hurt. Garrett Bradbury was one of the worst centers in the league as a rookie. I'm sure he has potential, but if you're drafting in the 20s or early 30s, usually you're talking about guys who are going to have to grow over a number of years as opposed to who could step right in as a top 10 pick and and make a huge difference. So it looks a little bit bleak at the moment, especially when you just saw that your quarterback, even in his best year, couldn't get you past the divisional round. It, there, there is so much uncertainty in the NFC that you could see them being contenders again just based on that. Just yeah. based on, you know, the Packers are probably not going 13 and 3 again. Chicago might be a little better, or if they stick with Trubisky, they're probably the same. They're probably an 8 and 8 or 9 and 7 team. I wanted to get to the Detroit Lions. There was a rumor yesterday that Matt Stafford could be traded, and. Apparently, Matt Stafford's wife put something on Instagram about how she wouldn't mind going to L.A. if Detroit was ready to move on, which, uh, you know, I guess oh. I guess same considering the weather here today. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Detroit, though, got really good play out of Matt Stafford last year under Daryl Bevel, and then he got hurt, and they lost some really close games. But it's got to be better than 3-12-1, doesn't it? I mean, maybe it doesn't because it's the Detroit Lions, but... Over a, a number of years under Jim Caldwell, they were competitive. They were seven and nine, nine and seven, eleven and five, one year. And I wonder if they once again can spend some money here before Matt Stafford's cap hit goes up to the level of pure insanity. They have forty-five million dollars of cap space to spend, a lot of pieces in place, and just should be a lot better than this. I, I don't think that they're going to be the San Francisco that goes from, hey, your quarterback was hurt and you had three wins to, oh my gosh, you're in the Super Bowl. But they should be way more competitive next year than they were this year. Uh, we've said that before, though, with the Lions, right? I mean, Stafford, can he stay healthy, number one? That being the biggest concern. But I feel like having a guy like that who, again, if we think that uh, a guy like Eli Manning is a complicated case for the Hall of Fame. Wait until we get to Matthew Stafford, and he's got 65,000 yards or something at the end of his career. But I think the potential is always there when you have a guy like that. They just haven't been able to maybe put the pieces around him, haven't been able to be a consistent team. Like I feel like every year we're like, oh, man, Detroit always gets somebody. They always get that unexpected win. But they don't do it consistently. So I guess I have to see it to believe it. There are certainly some pieces in place. Uh, but but let's see what's real. Does Matthew Stafford want to go? Does he want to start fresh elsewhere? If I were a quarterback, if I were a disgruntled quarterback, Kyler, this is the summer to make noise about it. Mm-hmm. Like This yep. is the offseason to say, you know what? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if this works for me. Because now you actually have destinations. What's Chicago going to do? What's Tampa Bay going to do? Uh, does Carolina want to stick with a young quarterback? You have, obviously, the Chargers in their situation. There are a number of deals around the league. New Orleans, what happens there? Does Drew Brees stay? Does he retire? Uh, are the Patriots going to move on from Tom Brady? So this is the perfect year to start making noise about wanting change. So I think we have to wait that out as well because Matthew Stafford would be the number one guy, maybe the number one guy in the offseason. I know Brady in terms of if you want – him for a year in Dallas or something like that. But if you're trying to build moving forward, I'd have to think Stafford would be the top guy 
uh, among this pool, and I don't even think it's close. So he'd get a job pretty quickly if that's something that he really wanted. And this is the year to make that that decision. So it is up to Detroit to make him feel as if the coming years, it's worth his time, uh, and it's a good career move for him to stick around. Would you trade Matt Stafford or Kirk Cousins for Matt Stafford? Yes, I would. Um, if for no other reason than if they're not that different, uh, I'll take a new variable. You know, it's science to me. Like, I don't know how different they are as quarterbacks, but I do think we haven't seen Matthew Stafford with the pieces Kirk Cousins has around him now. I'd be very intrigued to see that. How Matthew Stafford, if he's healthy, competes with all the pieces he has, he'll have around him in 2020 if he were to be with the Minnesota Vikings. Would you make that trade? Um, I don't think I would. I, I think it's the same guy for for different reasons. That Matt Stafford's more fun to watch for sure because he's got the crazy arm and he'll run around a little and make wild plays. But he's sixty nine, seventy nine, and one for his career. And if you go year by year, seven and nine, eleven and five, seven and nine, nine and seven, nine and seven, six and ten. And in two thousand seventeen, two thousand sixteen, they had a legit great offense around him with Marvin Jones and Golden Tate and Kenny Galladay was just getting into the league and it was still the same stuff. Eric Ebron is on those teams. The offensive line isn't great, but it's not terrible. And they've got a good offensive line in Jim Bob Cooter running that offense. He changed things around to try and help Stafford. It was a lot of the same conversation we've had here, only they went to a short passing offense instead of trying to throw it downfield with him all the time. And the results were pretty much the same. Like Stafford is more of a baller than Kirk Cousins is, which would bring more joy. But he also throws you know, a really high amount of interceptions. And I, I think even last year he was having the best year of his career, but probably would have ultimately fallen off a bit. You sort of know what you have there. They're about the same age, and they can only get you so far. I look at them as being... Like the Spider-Man meme, the two guys just looking in the mirror. And also, happy birthday, Matthew Stafford. It's his birthday. Oh, great. Oh, no, wait. No, wrong date. But early February. Sorry, that was stupid. Go ahead. Okay. (laughs) Um, It's okay. I think he understands. So, But isn't that the attitude that keeps the signed Kirk Cousins to an extension? Like, keeps that going? Like, isn't that the same attitude? Like, you don't really know where to go from Kirk Cousins, right? If you can't upgrade... And you, you really you can't, not on the free agent market, uh, not long-term. You could maybe get someone who wants a year at the end of their career, and maybe it's a good year. Like if you got Phillip Rivers, let's say, right? Maybe he's got another good year left in him, but you're not taking that risk over a guy like Kirk Cousins. Like that, to me, is the conversation that makes it seem inevitable uh, that this extension will come. Because yes. yep. when you think about the options, you go, well, can we – definitively upgrade if our goal is to win now? And the answer is no. Uh, That player is not available. Your only option would be developing a quarterback and and hoping that you're building long-term, but they've invested in a lot of pieces to win now. So Kirk Cousins is what you get, folks. Uh, (laughs) We can all talk all we want about what would happen if you weren't here or if they made a different decision or if they didn't extend him, but he's here to stay and – I just think we've already seen his ceiling. And I would be intrigued to see a Matthew Stafford in a different culture, a different climate, uh, to see if perhaps he can have one of the breakout years that a bunch of other guys, maybe lesser quarterbacks, have had here in Minnesota. If Sam Bradford and Case Keenum and yeah, Kirk Cousins yeah. and all these guys can can put up big numbers, career numbers, 
I'm convinced that Matthew Stafford could probably do it too. I just think he had that. I, I think he had something that was very close and still really couldn't get it done. He didn't have quite a Delvin Cook, but Golden Tate and Marvin Lewis and Eric Ebron and Kenny Galladay is a pretty darn good setup in 2017, and it was sort of the same exact results. Now, here's some Who was their coach? Who was their coach? Jim Caldwell. Okay. You know, I mean, good coach. Uh, Super Bowl as an offensive coordinator. They did win 11 games once. But you know what's funny yeah. is with uh, Matt Stafford, he has one fewer Pro Bowl than Kirk Cousins, which I know the Pro Bowl doesn't matter. But it just sort of made me chuckle that Stafford has been talked about as this guy who's like this great quarterback and it's just the Lions and he's all he's the best because he was a number one pick. And the results are pretty much the same as what you get from a middle-of-the-pack quarterback over 149 starts. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be tough to convince me that that would be a good idea with similar cap hits. Um, I think I would feel a little differently about someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think is better than Kirk and finds ways to win, but Stafford has just never been able to do it, and it's always these excuses for why. Like, oh, it's the coach, it's the... You know, it's the receivers, it's the defense, it's the whatever. And that sort of sounds like what we have going on here. Um, last thing before we wrap up, Myron, we didn't talk a lot about it, but uh, throughout the week I sort of expressed some displeasure that Miles Garrett helped the Browns get better draft status and then gets to just come back. Uh, how did you feel about the reinstatement of Miles Garrett? Well, I was surprised. Um you know, I, I thought we would get into next year, next season, before we'd have that conversation after what we witnessed. Um, today, obviously, he comes out and has the Outside the Lines interview on ESPN with Mina Kimes where he says that Mason Rudolph used a racial slur against him. He repeated that claim. Um, and, and it appears to me that the NFL, although they're saying they found no evidence that Mason Rudolph used that language, by only allowing making him miss – the last six games and reinstating him immediately. Mm -hmm. To me, sounds like the NFL is saying, we don't know exactly what happened and we don't want any part of a PR nightmare that could come from this. He's back in the league, but you would like to see some sort of explanation on either side. Right. Is there more evidence that this happened? Uh, Did, did miles Garrett tell someone directly? Because I feel like if this happens in that emotional moment, you're telling everybody, I would think. Right, right. And we haven't heard that kind of response from those around him, from his own teammates. Uh, not the reaction I would anticipate if someone had used that language. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. I'm not calling Miles Garrett a liar. I just think in the immediate aftermath, it wasn't maybe the reaction you would think uh, with something like that. And then go to the Steelers locker room as well. What happened after the game? What, what was Mason Rudolph telling people? Uh, does NFL films have evidence that we should see? Like, it just seemed really weird to me to have the most egregious incident of the entire year. And one of the craziest things we've ever witnessed on a football field. Yeah. And then he's quietly reinstated without much of an explanation. And then he does the interview, which to me only made things more confusing. I mm-hmm. feel like the NFL owes everybody some answers on this, including the two players involved. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I guess I could see if they had found some evidence that it was reasonable to think Mason Rudolph could have said something, that they would just reinstate him and not come out with some 
press release that says, yes, indeed, Mason Rudolph, racist. Like They wouldn't want to do that to one of their own players. But I could also see the NFL trying to take care of something like this really quick in February, so it's just off the table. It's not a talking point into next year. If they suspend him four or five games into next year, then we're talking about it a lot more as the season comes up and, and into the season. So the NFL loves to do this. They love the Friday news dump. They love the quiet, you know, just take care of something on a Tuesday morning in the middle of February that no one will remember even happened. And and that's how this felt to me was, yeah, we just want to get rid of this story. So let's take care of it this way and, and try to forget it ever happened. So yeah. Um, anyway, Myron, always fun to connect with you on a Friday. And we do this every single Friday for sure. So um, make sure you follow Myron on Twitter for college basketball updates as well. Uh, we got a tournament coming up, so you'll want to yeah. do that. All right. Uh, great stuff, Myron. Uh, I will hand the ball off now to Mackie and Judd with Rami, which we have another coach firing in town. Oh, we can always count on one every couple of months. All right. They'll enjoy it. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next year on Scoreboard. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.